Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Well, good morning. You could pull up that PowerPoint. Uh, it, Pastor Linda had mentioned last week that I be, this is a different kind of sermon. I've never, you know, the last sermon I preached was maybe a month ago. It's kind of nice to have a respite. Tom in here, and you hear different people, really nice to have more time to prepare for a message. This is a different message in that it is about the title of it. There it is. Here comes the real Santa Claus. Isn't that kind of cute? Isn't that cute? Do you like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was hoping to get a response from that. Uh, we are going to be talking about the real St. Nicholas today. And let, how did this come about? Well, I'll tell you two things. One, last year, I just started reading a couple of books. There was a great book that was written maybe two years ago, and I came across it by accident. And it's all about the, the life of the real St. Nicholas. And I said, this would be fun, just pleasure reading for myself, never thinking that I'd use it for a sermon. But once you become a preacher, everything that you do in life, everything that you read, you look at it through the lens of, can I possibly use this in a sermon? So as the year went on, I said, you know what, I'm just going to roll, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go out and I'm just going to preach a sermon on this and we'll see where it goes. Again, every year I usually pick characters like, like next week, I am going to try to sum up. You want to be here next week. I've spent the most time on that sermon for next week in looking at the life and history of one Jesus Christ and the impact he's had on civilization in the last 2000 years. I'll try to get through that. I know what a, a wide swath of history. I'll try to get through that in, a, in 40 minutes. Less than, really, less than five hours. Could take me a long time. But, uh, so, this sermon today, and the second part of this, what really cemented this sermon today that you are going to hear is a conversation with my four-year-old, right? Happened a couple of weeks ago, and we're sitting down. Christmas tree is up. Everyone's happy. The Christmas music is playing. And I said, what a wonderful time to talk to Jameson about Christmas. And I said, honey... Do you know what's coming up? What day is coming up in a few weeks? Sure you do, right? And he looks at me and he says, yes, daddy, Christmas. I said, good, good. This is great, right? Next question. Honey, do you know whose birthday we will be celebrating in a couple of weeks? And you know what the child's answer is? He looks at me and he smiles and he says, Santa Claus. Santa Claus, yeah. And, he, and, and Megan will tell you he likes to play with me. I guess he knows I'm the preacher. So I just kind of looked at the kid and I'm like, all right, it's on now. Here we go, all right? No, no, no. We're going to be talking about Jesus. He's the one, right? He came to usher in peace and justice and eradicate sin and disease. That's whose birthday it is, kid. It's not Santa's birthday, Jesus's birthday. And let me tell you, really, sir, Jameson, now look, your dad is a preacher. It doesn't look good if you, as my son, don't understand this message. What am I supposed to tell the masses of people as I get up and preach? I am a failure. Or maybe his mom's a failure. I don't know. One of us is a failure. Maybe we're both a failure together. I had to draw you into that. Had to. No, it's, it's all on me. It's all on me. Well... The image of Santa, if you look up on the screens, I mean, it appears on a million different Christmas cookies. Some of you are making your Christmas cookies now. How about ornaments? A little rotund Santa right there. Christmas doll, Santa dolls. 
Uh, I don't even remember what that is. Oh, that's a nightlight, a Santa nightlight. I want one of those. How about a Santa Pez dispenser? Yeah, you need one of those. How about a Santa t-shirt? Yeah. Um, Beware of fat men bearing gifts. Yeah, I guess that's pretty popular. How about the coffee mug? You get Santa in the hot rod, right? There he is in the car. I mean, these are just a couple of things. You can get magnets and put them on your fridge. I mean, this is great. What is this one? I don't even, what, what is, I can't even, I don't even remember. Yeah, it's an apron, right? That, that's, what you're, that's one of your Christmas presents. I shouldn't have put that picture up. Man, why did I do that? But you know, you see these images all over the place. So why wouldn't a four-year-old kid look at me and say that? We live in a culture, we live everywhere where it's really all about Santa Claus. Did you know there's actually a town in America with that name? Some of you are saying, yes, I never knew this. No one ever taught me this as a child. Where is it? I'm going to quit. Where is it? Santa Claus is the town. What's, what state is it in? Somebody tell me. What state? Indiana. None of you knew the answer. You lied. You're in church. <laughs> Santa Claus, Indiana is a real town. Here's like one of the pictures. I mean, there are... Oops, I had more stuff. Santa Claus plates. San, that, that is just one of the statues. They have them all over the place. They actually have a post office, which is uh, next to this museum, which is all about Santa Claus. They have a Christmas theme park there. You can celebrate Christmas all year round. Who wants to celebrate Christmas and look at that statue of Santa in February? Many of you know, as a child, I was quite mischievous. Right? I am reformed now. Christ has redeemed me. Can you imagine me living in Santa Claus, Indiana as a kid on a February, Friday or Saturday night in February? I would have gotten in a lot of trouble. What do they do out? What, they cow tip? I would have been like Santa Claus tipping or something like that. I would have gotten in a lot of trouble. There's actually, in the, in the post office, they actually have volunteers from the town. That, and they get tons of letters from people all across the country, little kids. And they, all these volunteers, they write all of those kids back, which is wonderful. And I'm not here. Understand this. Please understand this. I have to preface everything by saying I'm not here to demonize Santa Claus. I am not. I love Christmas. I love everything about it. I love Christmas music. I love the Christmas tree, all this stuff. And you could say, oh, this is pagan, this and that. No, that's nonsense. I love Christmas. I'm not talking about us skipping Christmas. I'm talking about us celebrating Christmas. I'm talking about us celebrating Christmas the right way, celebrating the real reason for the season. What was that song I heard this morning? I'd never heard it before. What is Christmas without a savior in a manger? I love that song. That was a beautiful song. We need to play that next week, Steve, please. And all the names, some of you are probably familiar. You say, you know what? I know I'm vaguely familiar with the fact that there was an historical person that lived. And you know what? Maybe the, the names that we now... Chris Kringle, Sinterklaas, Père Noël, Noël Baba, Father Christmas, Niccolo, Niccolo Di Bari, and the Myroblight. Just to name a few and looking at some of the books. That's what this character is known as. But you know what? Historical fact and fantasy, they kind of come together and it's like... I don't really know the story. How many of you would say, let's be honest and being little interact. How many of you would say, you really know the story well of the, of the real St. Nicholas? Yeah, yeah. Did you set that up to have that phone ring right as I asked that question? <laughs> what timing, impeccable. Well, yeah, that's what I figured. And I, whether or not you're interested or not, this is what you're going to hear for the next coming minutes. Because I spent a lot of time on this and you will like it. 
the, the, the pervasive cultural image that we now have, though, of Santa Claus, and this is, again, the hardest part of this kind of sermon is what to leave out. Not what to include, what to leave out. But I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this to you. The pervasive cultural image that we have of Santa Claus, there's the picture of it, the origins of this is, is pretty wild. You see, this picture came about, Coca-Cola ran a campaign, it's 1931, two years before Prohibition will be repealed, right? 20th century, you with me? They wanted to make more, be more appealing to a younger audience. They wanted to get their product out there, and they find this artist by the name of Haddon, let me get his last, Sunblom. Sunblom is his last name. And they get this guy, and this is the figure that he comes up with. Did you know that? This is the figment of some man's imagination in 1931. So from 1931 to 1964, this is the image that Coca-Cola puts out there. And this is the image that you see everywhere. This is the image that I see everywhere. The knobby nose, uh, the wind chapped cheeks. The long beard there, the rotund figure, the red suit, the black belt, the black boots. This is all the imagination of some artist from 1931. Pretty wild, right? When you think about it, how successful has there ever been a more successful ad campaign? And you see these Norman Rockwell-esque paintings and printings, and they're all over. They're on billboards, and they're on magazines. And this is what our society is sold about Christmas and Santa Claus. It's, come on, let's really be, let's be honest, we're in church. Christmas is really not, for, when we go out into the streets, I mean, you're here for two hours and it's about Jesus, but when you leave, it's about presents. And it's about this guy, Santa, and what he, you know, he's coming to, to bring for your kids. So I'm asking you that you would listen to my heart this morning and that, that you really would tell your kids the real Christmas story. Because I have a four-year-old kid and I have another child on the way. And they will know the real Christmas story and they will hear about a real Santa Claus, a real Saint Nicholas, and what he came to do. And he came to worship at the manger of one that was born 2,000 years ago. I'm not here to put this man on a pedestal. I'm here to talk about his life and show you whose life he looked at. He looked to a star. He looked to someone that was that came to eradicate sin, the savior of the world, Jesus Christ, and he lay in that manger. That's who we're looking at today. So don't mistake me when I talk too. That's what we're looking at. And this picture, right? This picture that you see that is pervasive, it's all over our culture. I would say it's diametrically opposed to the earliest picture we have of the real St. Nicholas. Would you like to see it? Yes. This is from the 7th century. This is the real picture. Now, let's go back again. Okay? Santa Claus, St. Nicholas. Santa, St. Nicholas. He put a lot of weight on. All right? He's much heavier here. Had a lot of, he's been a bad boy. He's had a lot of cookies, a lot of things he shouldn't be eating. This is a, the, a first rendering that we have of this real man, the real St. Nicholas. Now, he, yes. Yes, exactly. We're going to get to that. You stole my thunder. That's okay. That's all right. No, that's all right. You, I don't have to say it now. Ten less words I need to say. Thank you. Don't you love that in here? Listen, I, we can get up here and we can put a show on. I really want this to be something that you enjoy. Really. From the bottom of my heart. I can be all serious and, and we, we could act that. That's not who we are. That's, not, that's just not who we are in this church. Okay. 
So he lived during the third and fourth centuries. As best we can ascertain, he's born somewhere around 253, dies around 330 something to be, you know, to give you an idea. And today, uh, if you go to the place where he was actually born, you would go to a place, Damer, Turkey. Anybody ever been to Turkey in here? That's what I figured, another place. All right, now, let me show you. This is a picture of a church from the 8th century in this place, Damer, Turkey. Right Today, this is the actual place. If you want to go there, people, throngs of people from all around the world, it's the second most important city at this time of the year at Christmas. Aside from Bethlehem, this is it, number two. And let me tell you, Right? Nora's not concerned about the weather report, the weather in this place next week. All right? There's no such thing as reindeer. There's not going to be a sleigh. None of that stuff's going to happen. And you know what's there? Palm trees and lush vegetation. This is, uh, this is in the south part of Turkey on the sea there. It's a beautiful place if you would like to vacation. From May to November, you're going to get pretty much beautiful weather. You can suntan. Not what you think of with Santa Claus. So this church is actually the Church of St. Nicholas. It's the only time of the year it's used. Because, uh, and I have to mention this. This place is all Muslim. 100% of the people that live in Damer, Turkey, where St. Nicholas is actually born, are Muslim. The only day of the year that this church of St. Nicholas is actually open is St. Nicholas Day, which is December 6th. And you can go there, and it, I've, I only put up one picture for you, but the inside, how grand and how ornate it is, it looks absolutely stunning. So that's where this man is actually born. We, we know, basically, that he lived here for a long period of time. And if you travel, this is wild too, if you traveled there between 1981 and 2005, they had a statue of the real St. Nicholas. And, hey, listen, again, don't be religious on me. We're Christian. Yes. Are we Protestant? Yes. Does the Catholic Church venerate and revere and talk more so about some of the saints? Yes, they do. Is there anything wrong with us doing that? No, there's not. So if you think there is, I'm sorry to tell you, I think you're crazy. This is a statue that they had there from 81 to 2005 of the real St. Nicholas in celebrating his life. Now, isn't it interesting no, again, no sleigh bells, you're not gonna, no reindeer, none of that. The only sounds you're going to hear are the, the sounds from the mosques to call people to prayer in this area. But they put this statue up, and why I'm bringing this up to you is, I said 2005. So what did they put up there in 2005 to change this? So they paying homage to this man and his life and, and, and tourist people coming from all around the world. Of course, none other than a plaster of Paris... St. Nicholas, there he is, Santa Claus. Again, I find this fascinating. This is a Muslim area. 100% of the people are Muslim. Totally taking advantage of the world. And they put this American Santa Claus up there for people to see. How wild is that? This is the image that you would see if you actually went there. So they replaced this. And of course, it's the 20th century image pervasive image of Santa Claus. So, and I'm going rather quickly. I mean, again, hardest part is what to keep out of this. I mean, what to include. There's so much that we could talk about. Um, This is a map. If I took you back to when the original St. Nicholas actually lived. So I said he lives, lived in today. The place is Damer, Turkey. Well, if you look here on the map, you can see over here, it's, it's pronounced Mira. 
This was the name of that city that he lived in. He lived again in the third and fourth centuries. So if back then, that's the name of the place where he was. I, I have to say this for the pastors because they have been there. That you know a lot more about our family history. His remains today, St. Nicholas, are not in Mira. They are in Bari, Italy, which my parents were actually in Bari, Bari Italy, what, two years ago? And, and her, my grandfather was born there. And you don't care, but I'm telling you that anyway. Um, but that's the beginning, really, of his story. And this area, uh, Mira, is actually a place where the Apostle Paul preached on his way to being imprisoned in Rome. I thought that was pretty interesting. So a really cool place where this man lived. And, of course, legend and myth has accrued and grown over the years. And all of these stories that you've heard, many of them, are just not true. They're folklore. So let's talk briefly again. about his, How about his parents? His parents were indeed Christians, steeped in Christian tradition as, he, as a child. He heard the stories of the Bible, the same stories that our kids are listening to. There was a real person named St. Nicholas, and he was listening to those same stories. He sang the Psalms in worship. He heard the good news. He heard about Jesus' life. He heard about his teaching. He heard about his miracles. And in that day, in that day, it was much different than today. They didn't meet in big buildings like this, Right? In the third and fourth century, they didn't meet in big buildings. They met in homes. And the elders of the community, they would come out and they would read certain passages. And they would sing songs. And they would actually have communion. This was the the, the craziest thing I I read in, in all my research on their meetings. Occasionally, they would actually go to the town cemetery. And they would have meetings there. And they would be reminded of Easter and the resurrection. You see, they wanted it to be in people's minds about what their future held. What do you think about having um, Easter this year at a cemetery? I don't think that would go over too well in 2014. But pretty interesting nonetheless. So that's what he was steeped in that kind of tradition. This was a very dangerous time. To be a Christian, there is an emperor on the throne, the Roman emperor, his name is Diocletian. And he's, I mean, absolutely slaughtering the Christians. It's not going to change until we get to the next emperor, Constantine. And you probably heard that name. You may not remember Diocletian. Um, And in this place, Mira, we know that there were several church members in Mira that were actually put to death before Nicholas was born because they refused to pay homage to the Roman gods. Persecution. Isn't that interesting? Persecution. How many of you welcome persecution in your life? I would think that his parents actually read him a passage such as this from 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. I'm here to tell you back then and even look at your own lives today. It wasn't a strange thing for Nicholas and other Christians during this time to be persecuted, to suffer How come we look in our day and age, oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe what I'm suffering through. Move on in the text. What does it say? But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. This is not a crossless Christianity. There is a cross. There is a cross for us to bear. There is real suffering, but it's amazing what Christ does in the midst of our suffering, how he transforms it into something that is beautiful and glorious. And you may not see it on this side of the grave, but ultimately one day you will see it and all things will be revealed about your life. 
oh gosh, that's the glorious good news. And as his name actually means victory for the people, he had a very strong moral compass. And according to, I'll give you the guy's name, I didn't put it up on the PowerPoint, his 8th century biographer, Michael the Acromandrodite, tough name there, all right? This is what he said about St. Nicholas. He never strayed from the church, and like a nest to a dove, I love this. The church was to him a refreshment and a comfort. His mind was illuminated by the teachings, and day by day, he grew towards a peace and gentle compassion. This is a compassionate man. This is a man that lived Christ all year round. Another reason why I'm delivering a strange kind of sermon today is because of the Christmas season we celebrated for a few weeks. I'm here to tell you this was a man that celebrated the life of Christ all year round. People are depressed and they're despondent when Christmas is over. We are to be a Christmas people, not a few days, not one day on that Christmas day, but all year round. And we're to show this reality, not just come to and say, oh, I'm so thankful that you came into the world. It's no, it's Show the world the reality of that through our good deeds, through our works. And show them, you know what? We're ordinary people. We're flawed people. We are. Every single one of us is. But to show the light of Christ and what he's done in our life, as you heard in these testimonies today, that God is still transforming people's lives. Tragedy strikes when Nicholas is a teenager. His parents will succumb. They'll be uh, stricken by uh, a plague that will hit this area, the whole Lycian area. I'll go back to it if you... The whole Lycian area here, 20 to 25% of the people will be dead. I mean, that's a, that's a large number of people. His parents will die. And here is this young teenager. And here's something that I didn't tell you about his parents. They were very wealthy. Very wealthy. Comes from an affluent family. And imagine you're a teenager. Right? And here they bequeath this, they, they, they give this kid a large inheritance. So he has all this money. Can you imagine being a teenager and say, in our day, you have a couple of million dollars and you're left with it to do however you please. I see some of you smiling. That's not what I'm looking for right now. Some of you are like, man, I wish that was me. All right? And we, you see some of the people out in the world. I was, I was asking Megan this, like a Paris Hilton or somebody. I mean, geez, really? And I'm not, this is a man that takes this money and says, how can I use it for the kingdom of God? Are you kidding me? To have that kind of money and to do that? And he was reminded in some of the readings that I came across, it was said the same guy that I mentioned before, Michael, <coughs> excuse me, um, bio, uh, biography about his life. He said he asked God that he might dispose of his life and his assets in accordance with God's will. He remembered the words of Jesus about wealth, about giving to those in need and holding money loosely. And he was very influenced by this. All right, let's get to it. Matthew 19. You're all familiar with this passage, 21 to 22, the rich young ruler. Jesus says to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Here is a man that read this text, steeped in the Christian tradition, and looked at this and said, I want my life to be about what Jesus says there. I want to store up for myself in heaven treasure where moth and rust will not destroy I want to have a legacy. And how hard that must have been for a young man. The allurement of everything out there. He rebuffed any money, 
power, uh, sex, all of that stuff. He said, I don't really want any part of that. I want to be a Christ follower. Is he an anomaly? Yes, he absolutely is. And how many people would go down the opposite road? But that's why we're talking about the real St. Nicholas, a man that gets no love at Christmas time. And it was customary. It's Roman custom during this time when Nicholas is alive. You don't give money to the poor. Actually, even in society, this is fascinating. Did you know that widows, if you were widowed, your husband died, the the Roman uh, government would place an extra tax on your life as if to say, how come you didn't die? You were supposed to die too. Orphans, widows, the poor, the destitute. You weren't supposed to give them any money. People didn't do that in that society. It was you care about yourself and you care about your family. And then comes along Christians, the Acts 2 church, right? We've read the Bible and this group of followers, this ragtag group of people. And they say, you know what? We're going to care for the poor. And you're going to hear more about that next week. And looking at the history of the church, you don't want to miss it. And looking at that and this group of individuals that said, you know, we will take care of the poor. When there were plagues that went on, they were the ones that went into the streets and said, we will care. Even if we get sick, we don't care because there was a Christ that came before us. And he said, you know what? We are to care about the marginalized. We are to care about those people that know that society throws to the side. Those are the people that we want and they have value. How about in our day? How are we doing with the poor and the marginalized? You say, James, we're doing a lot. We do feedings. We're doing different things. And I would say to you, no, there's more. There's more that we can do individually. How many, is there a family maybe that you're sponsoring this year? How about, are there people out there at your job or people that are down and out that you can maybe help this Christmas season? Because that's what this man's life speaks to me. Who can I find in my world to help out? And maybe not just Christmas. How about 2014? Who can you show love to, the love of Christ to in your world? Oh, we should be zealous about this, saints. Zealous about this. To bring the kingdom to those people. And we're doing it in ways, but I'm saying there's always room for more. We never want to be complacent. We never want to be a satisfied people. And the most, here's the most famous story. You know how you know about St. Nicholas? You know how you know about him? He was very rich, right? He is in an area. I won't put the map up. The name of the place is called Patara. And he's in this area. And he hears that there is a man that was also at one time very wealthy. This man had three daughters. Three daughters. The man had lost his business. In that day, it was very precarious. You could lose your business. If a, a, a boat was lost out at sea or you had a bad crop, you were doomed. Much different time than today. So this man, St. Nicholas, says, you know what? I'm going to try to help this man. He has three daughters. You know what the man was thinking of doing? And also, common practice in this time in history. I'm going to knock all of these over at some point. I can't sit still. Thank gosh they're not real. And this is what he does. He says, this man says, I'm going to sell my daughters into prostitution. Common practice in that day. He had nothing. He had nowhere to go. There wasn't a place you could go to that people cared. St. Nicholas heard about this man's plight and said, I'm going to step in and do something secretly. Now, here's where the story gets crazy. And this is when you tell your kids the story. The story is not true. This is the real story. Secretly, one night, he goes to the house where this man lived. Remember, it's a much different climate. Christmas, you're thinking Christmas time? No, it's a warm climate. There is one of the windows that's open. He takes a bag full of gold in a bag, throws it, takes that bag, throws it through the window and goes in. Can you imagine the man's face the next day? He finds a bag of gold in his house. 
that somebody has just delivered this bag of gold. It just happens to be enough money for that man to set up a dowry for his daughter. In that day, you had to bring money to a man to get married. Kind of weird, right? Not, that's obviously not the practice in our day. Happens once. St. Nicholas says, okay, it just happens to be the exact amount, right? Happens once. St. Nicholas says, okay, I'm going to do it again. Goes to the window again secretly one night. Takes another bag, gold, throws it into the window. Man finds it the next day, is amazed, shocked. Marries the first daughter off. The exact amount that it needs to set up a dowry for the second daughter. She also then goes and gets married. Now here's the man, right? He's like, I'm going to find this person. Whoever this person is that is doing this, he waits up every single night. All the books that I can read, everything I've read online, this man actually is hiding in the house. He doesn't sleep because he's dying to find out who has done this. He, has to, he knows that the man must know that he has one last daughter and he's praying and he's hoping that St. Nicholas will actually come through not knowing that it's St. Nicholas. So there he is, St. Nicholas, comes at night, sneaks up, goes to the house, takes the bag of gold, throws it, The man is up, hears the gold bag go through the window, runs outside. Let me read you his words. St. Nicholas is startled, and this is the reaction of the man. If it were not for your goodness, which was stirred up by our Lord Jesus Christ, I have long since consigned my life to ruin and shame. There was a real human being that did this. A real living person that did this. And when you hear the, the myths and, and how legend accrued that he dropped it through the chimney. And it just happened to fall into some stockings that were there. That these girls would drop. That's not true. It's all false. Right? Let's, let's get that erroneous, these erroneous stories that you hear. It is not true. But there was a real man that did this. He asked the man to swear that he would never tell anybody. 2013, we're talking about a story. How'd that go? Didn't go too well. And it's, again, it's difficult to express the uniqueness of this because in that culture, you would be obligated for life. If somebody, some benefactor said, here, I'm going to give you this money, it was kind of understood that you owed me for the rest of your life. Kind of like the Godfather when he says, someday you'll do a service for me. Right? Not as good as Pastor Joe, but my best attempt... Right? Kind of like that when he says that in the first, the original Godfather had to go there. Right? But that's really what this culture was all about. If you did something like that, it was expected that you were beholden to that individual for the rest of your life. Not St. Nicholas. He didn't care. So, what I just told you. No reindeer. No toys. No naughty. No nice. The real St. Nicholas is the product of a relationship with Jesus Christ who gave everything away for those people who had nothing. We can't do what the magical Santa Claus does. Every single one of us in here. I don't care what your bank account says. I don't care what your calendar says. We can be like St. Nicholas was. That is a challenge I'm throwing out there today. Not the magical St. Nicholas with the sleigh, you know, the rain, all that stuff. No, the real St. Nicholas, we can live a life like that. And we can show other people the goodness of who God is. We can show them that. It's up to us. And listen, there are other stories. I don't have time. I don't want to get into all of them. But there are numerous stories of this man and things that he did. Um, for example, there were the bishops in Mira, the place I told you he was born. The old, that was the name of the city. When he was there, and he's a Christ follower, but he's a young man. 
Diocletian, I told you the Roman emperor, he is taking everybody, all the church leaders in Myra, he starts taking them out. They're looking then. They have, they have no bishop for that area. They all decide, actually, they all say, let's pray about it. And the next day, to really make, give you the reader's digest, they were having a meeting and they said, the first person that comes in that's really not part of this council, that's the person that God is going to appoint. It happens to be St. Nicholas. Walks through the door. They appoint him, right? Now, here's the wild part. He's appointed to be the bishop of this place, Mira, right? Right after that, the Roman government under Diocletian, they take him and he's in prison. Do you want to know what they did? You talk about persecution. We sit on these comfortable seats. We live in it's air-controlled, this air-controlled room. It's really nice for us here. How about this? They would usually, when they take them and imprison people, leaders in the church, they would blind you in your right eye. And they would, on your right foot, they would cut your ankles and actually cut tendons so that for the rest of your life, you would actually limp. You would actually walk with that limp forever and you would never forget what the Roman government did. But I'm here to tell you, there were real human beings that worshipped at that, worshipped at a cross and they worshipped first at a manger and they said, we will follow no matter what comes our way. How about you? What's our excuse Because we have so many excuses in our day. I'm so busy. I have so many things going on. So here he is. He's arrested. He is beaten. And here's my favorite story. Can you stay with me? I know I gave you a lot of history today. Not a normal sermon again. Constantine. How many of you know the name? Constantine. The Emperor Constantine. Very famous event happens. 325 AD. It's the Council of Nicaea. And the Council of Nicaea is where you went from one emperor who says, I want to get rid of uh, Christians, as many as I can to the next emperor that sets up Christianity as a state religion. And at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD, they wanted to centralize Christian theology and doctrine. They wanted to be on the same page. You had 300, just about 300 of the most powerful people in the church, and they're all there, and they're all convened at this place. And that one of the questions, and this is where Nicholas comes in, one of the questions they had to decide was, there was a man by the name of Arius. How many of you have heard of Arianism? You've heard that term before? Maybe some of you have. Arius was a heretic. And what he believed and what he's propagating at the Council of Nicaea is this. That Jesus Christ was in fact created. That he in fact was not part of the, of the Trinity. That God, he wasn't in the beginning. Jesus Christ was not there. That God, the Father, created him at some point. Now, all of these bishops are here. If in 320, this is a pivotal, seminal moment in the church, in the history of the church. There is a man by the name of St. Nicholas. As Arius is up and he's talking and he's very animated, this man, St. Nicholas, goes up and punches him in the face. As he's real history, he's singing a song. He was so he was so upset, agitated, offended by this man Arius and his actions. He would later apologize. But I love a man and the passion that he had for the Christ, the passion that he had for the truth. And this is what he went on to say. He quotes from John. John, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Can you imagine that man saying that? Can you imagine what that would have sounded like in that kind of arena with 300 bishops there? And this heretic gets up and says this, and then he gets up and goes back to the Gospel of John, which was written a couple of centuries prior. No, no, no. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. You don't understand, Arius. You're a heretic. There was a Jesus, and he is indeed God, and there was a virgin birth, and you have to believe in the Incarnation. 
Oh, gosh, that's one of the events I'd love to see. Passion. Not maybe, you know what, misdirected a little bit, but passion. Where is the passion in the church today for what is true and what is right? Where is the passion for us as Christians this Christmas season to really stand up for what is true and the real reason for this season? Where is it? It's not here. It doesn't exist. That's why there's the Advent, right? You heard the Advent conspiracy. There are over 2,000 churches in this country that are right now, they are together. And I'm, again, not skipping Christmas, but talking about, you know what? Hey, we, have, we buy all these gifts that go under, the, under a tree for people that don't even need them. Why not going out and taking that money? The aver- I could give you so many stats. I'll try it. The average family will spend $845 this year on Christmas. How about just taking some of that and and sending it out there? How about teaching your kids, our kids? How about saying, you know what? Instead of you getting another gift, we're going to take that money and we're going to get a gift for somebody else that would change their lives. That's what St. Nicholas stood for. Not the gospel of materialism and more and more and more. And all we do as Americans, not just Christians, we collect stuff and we have so much stuff. It's unbelievable. I mean, myself too. Come on, I'm right there with you. I'm not preaching down to you. I'm right there with you. And I look at my own life and say, what can I get rid of? I get rid of a lot, don't I, Megan? I get in trouble. I throw everything out. (laughs) Honey, did you see the end? No, I didn't see the invitation. Honey, Jameson lives here and you live here. And I don't think Jameson, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I have no idea. I'm sorry. I get get heated about this stuff, but I'll, I'll really bring this to a close. I think the most compelling part of his story is the story of a Christmas life, not a Christmas season. Hey, if you want to go celebrate Christmas for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, go to, go to Santa Claus, Indiana. Go live there. No, really, that's not what I want to do. And I hope that's not what you want to do with your life, your one and only life. God is asking us to be Christmas people. He's not asking you to just be somebody that observes and looks at him as an historical figure. If you're not blown away next week and it's not, listen, that you just look at the history. It's not me. And me just presenting what the truth is and what is out there about his impact on this world. He's looking for people that want to be followers. Do you want to be a follower of this Jesus? Not just somebody that says, you know what? I recognize you as some historical person in history. I think you're a pretty cool guy. I think you performed some miracles. Yeah, you died on a cross and you rose again. Jesus is saying, I want more than that. I'm looking for people that will live a Christmas life. I will say, I don't own anything. I have more than enough stuff. How can I bless other people out there in this world? And I leave you with this. You look at uh, Titus 2, 11 through 14. And Paul talking to Titus, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Friends, you see that last part there? It says zealous for good works. We don't want to do good works for good works sake. We want to do good works for Christ's sake. May we, City on a Hill Community Church, be a church that is zealous to do good works just like St. Nicholas, a real person that lived in the 3rd and 4th centuries was. He believed that. And as we come to the table this morning, we need to realize that we, we, oh, we don't have the table this morning, as we don't come to the table, and I tell you in closing, really, we can do extraordinary things if we devote our lives to the manger king.
the one that came in the manger for us, for every single one of us in here. And we don't just celebrate a holiday. We remember the invitation of Christ who wants to be born in us, in every single one of us here. You know, friends, he wants us to join with him in changing the world to bring the kingdom of God from up there down here. (laughs) Will you be like St. Nicholas and give your life completely and totally to Christ? And I ask you again, I reiterate this to you. I gave you a really short version, but I ask you, I challenge you as parents, don't, don't let this go. I ask that when you go home before Christmas Day, that before the, it was the night before Christmas, that you read the real story, that you tell them the real story, that there was a real man, and you take some of the facts that I gave you today and armed you with as Christians, and you would tell your kids there was a real person. But you know what? He was actually looking to one who lived before him. He was a follower of this one Jesus, whose birthday we come to celebrate here today on this Christmas. Me and my house, we will serve the Lord, and we will worship the Lord, and it starts at the manger. Lord, Lord, we thank you that you came to this earth 2,000 years ago. Lord, I think of all the stories of uh, all, the, all the legends and all the superheroes that were there. Lord, we, could, we don't have a, a strong enough imagination. Who would ever have thought that you would come down yourself? Oh, how you boggle the mind. No one could have fathomed how you would t- just change the world through a baby in a manger. That that baby would scrape his knees and he would, get co- he would cough and get colds. And he, Lord, he would cry and feel emotions just like we do. that one day he would actually go to a cross for all of us and he would say on that cross it is finished Lord I ask for everyone in here to stop fighting and to stop running that you are worthy to be praised and worshipped Lord as Pascal said many centuries ago Lord that there's, there's a, a, a hole in our hearts that can only be filled, filled by you, you can, you're the only one that can fill that vacuum Lord, you're infinite. And we try to take all these finite things and fill an infinite hole with them and it doesn't work. Help us to see when January comes and February comes and we're depressed and maybe we're sad. Lord, as followers of you, we were created to follow you, that you alone satisfy. You alone are the real reason for this season that we in this church, we will be part of the conspiracy. We will be subversive in our own homes. We, will, we love Christmas and we'll celebrate it. We're not demonizing Santa Claus, but you are the real reason for it. And you will be first on our list as we gather around a Christmas tree on December 24th or 25th, whatever it is that you will be what we talk about. And I thank you for this man, St. Nicholas, Lord, the real St. Nicholas. Oh, how he's gotten lost. And people don't know who he really was. Lord, give him a kiss right now in heaven. Thank you for his life. I thank you that it ministered to a wretch like me. Amen. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.